We're talking about how the kingdom of God came to earth or will come to earth. It's an important subject, and today we're talking about, we're giving you an an example in modern days of how theologians got together and thought the kingdom of God was going to come. It was called liberation theology. Stay tuned. You'll want to hear it. Welcome to All Things Apostolic. We're glad that you're with us today. Uh, We talk about a lot of things on All Things Apostolic, and uh, occasionally we take a big, long theological subject, and we work our way through it. We've been doing that with um, a discussion about the coming of the kingdom of God to earth. It's a huge subject, and we have... We have went a long ways in going through this. Um, ATA, All Things Apostolic, is a pretty mature, I like to think, uh, site. Uh, it's a pretty mature podcast. What I mean by that is mature people <laughs> are able to endure the parts that are boring. So uh, we don't cut stuff out and just give the juicy parts when we're on a theological subject. You have to work your way through all of the content to get a, a, a full, healthy, robust idea um, <clears throat> of what Scripture is actually saying, in this case, about the coming of the kingdom of God to earth. So uh, I appreciate those of you that have stuck with us and walked through this with us today. We are moving towards the end of this uh, discussion of this subject. Um, today, we are talking about an extremely interesting subject. We already started. Go back to the earlier podcast, and you will see where we talked about very, very interesting stuff. The two ideas, the two primary ideas that were in the New Testament at the time that Jesus was here in regards to the coming of the kingdom of God. Uh, the very unique fact that when John started his ministry, uh, he said, repent. And then the reason that he said repent was, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And when Jesus started preaching, he said, the time is come. The kingdom of God is at hand. And he preached for that reason. When he sent out the disciples, he said, go and tell people that the kingdom of God has come. Well, when he said the kingdom of God has come, The kingdom has come if the king is there. And the kingdom was presented to those people at that time. They uh, rejected the king, and thereby they lose the kingdom. Uh, However, God did open the door to those who were not called the people of God at that time, to the Gentiles, and we entered into the church age. So from the book of Acts Uh, on through the New Testament, we are talking about, all the way up to the book of Revelation, we are talking about uh, the kingdom of God in the world as it is today. And we talked about the idea of the now and not yet. Uh, I think George Ladd was one of the people that uh, introduced that concept uh, with the most clarity anyway. Um, Maybe it's somebody else, but I think it was him. And how that today the kingdom of God is here spiritually. Uh, It will come. Jesus and many of the prophets told us it's going to come physically. It's going to come 
uh, it's going to come thundering in where you will actually see Jesus Christ and every eye will see him, the Bible says, and he will set up his kingdom on the earth, literally, at Jerusalem. Uh, and there's a whole lot to all of that. The, this time, though, the kingdom is here underground, kind of. It's in our hearts. It's hidden. There is no overt political, physical evidence of the kingdom, except maybe building church buildings or whatever. But um, it's, it's inside our hearts. So Matthew 13, he repeats there about 12 times the kingdom of God is like. So Matthew 13 becomes a big key scripture. And we look through all this. We've already talked about this, um, that the kingdom was hidden in every one of the parables, the seven parables of Matthew chapter 13. Um, in each of those, uh, it was like a seed in the ground. It was like a seed in the ground again. It was like uh, leaven in a loaf of bread. It was like uh, a mustard seed in the ground, third time on the seed. Uh, it was like a fish in the sea. It was like a pearl in the water, a uh, pearl of great price in a shell, hidden. All these are hidden. It's like a treasure in a field. All of these indicate the, the characteristic of the kingdom of God during the church age. Also, in that time, Jesus said, the kingdom of God cometh not by observation, because they were all thinking that the kingdom of God that can be seen everywhere in its uh, socio-political form, and it, it's, that's its consummating form, final form. It's going to be that plus spiritual. Uh, but it wasn't here at that time, and so Jesus is explaining that to them. Um, and the New Testament lets us know the kingdom of God uh, is not meat and drink. In other words, it's not physical elements at this time, uh, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And then the Bible goes ahead and tells us that the Holy Ghost is um, the earnest of our inheritance, indicating that we're not in the final thing in the church age, that the coming kingdom of God encompasses all of the stuff in the church age and all of the stuff in every other age, but but the, the church age is not the final uh, consummating form of, of the kingdom of God, it's 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 a it's a major part. It's a big part. It's uh, it's its role is going to be big. The Bible says that Paul is chiding the Corinthians, and he says, "Don't you know you're going to judge the world?" So that indicates the church is going to have a pretty big part. And then he goes ahead a uh, few verses in the same area of uh, Corinthians and says, "Don't you know you're going to judge angels?" So. Um, all of that indicates that the church is an important part of the kingdom of God. But the fact that the Holy Ghost is called the earnest of our inheritance indicates earnest is down payment. And uh, it indicates that the big payment, the big part of it is to come. So earnest may be, if you put down earnest money, it may be 10%, it may be 20%, whatever. It can be any percentage, but it's usually smaller than what the balance will be. And so uh, when we see that the Holy Ghost is called the earnest of our inheritance, that's a pretty exciting uh, thing to anticipate that um, what we have now is going to lead us into the fullness of what we have now, which will be the kingdom of God uh, come to the earth. So uh, all of that's very exciting. Now, uh, today we've approached, finally, we've talked about that we're going to approach this, we're going to talk about this. Um, we, we 
we talked about the fact that when we talk about how the kingdom of God comes, we will discuss white supremacy. Uh, we will discuss some of these things that are um, extant, that exist in our present political situation, particularly in America, but in other places around the world. Um, the racism and, um, and and these kinds of things and where does this stem from? Uh, there may be several sources, but we're talking about the theological sources of such things. And so uh, this all comes under the heading of the different ideas about how the kingdom of God will come to the earth. And so we've already talked about the ideas that they had um, in the New Testament, we talked about you can get this out of the Old Testament, which they did. Uh, the prophetic view of the coming of the kingdom of God, the apocalyptic view of the coming of the kingdom of God, all of this was part and parcel of what they were looking at at the time that Christ came. And when he said the kingdom of God is at hand, it was like, it was like thunder and electricity sweeping across the land and rocking everything because that was the anticipation of the people of God who'd been under what's called the times of the Gentiles' oppression. They'd been under that, but had promises that God was someday going to break that. And so the times of the Gentiles began from the time that they were subjected to Gentile rule when they were taken to Babylon and um, um, the, around 606 B.C. And the others were in, I think, 742 B.C., 125 years earlier, uh, when uh, the northern kingdom was taken into uh, Assyria. So, so this is the people of God going into captivity. Now, I don't have all this in notes. I'm just giving it to you off the top of my head here. But they went into captivity. That captivity was the uh, beginning of the times of the Gentiles when the Gentiles rule over the Jews. The times of the Gentiles have never ended because when they end, the scripture tells us that uh, Israel will be the head and not the tail. So um, they'll be the head in the whole world, which they are not by any stretch of the imagination today. Uh, but you can see signs ever since actually since the 1800s, if we had time to go back in that and give the modern day history of, of Jews and how it worked to where they came to um, uh, 1948, where they became a nation, and how we believe that all of that does indicate movement. It's like, it's like a volcano. It starts smoking and smoke starts blowing out of it and it rattles and makes noise. And But it's that's not the blow up, but but it lets you know that you're getting close to the blow-up. And so uh, so prophecy is that way. Oftentimes you can, you can anticipate that you're getting close. Um, the Bible uses uh, terms of gradation, like um, evil men shall wax worse and worse. So, so that's a movement that where it, it gets more evil. It gets uh, worse. Uh, moving towards the consummation of the age. So uh, the times of the Gentiles ends, uh, it will not end until Christ returns to earth, which is described in Matthew chapter 24. 
And when he returns to earth, he will break the hold of the Gentiles and he will elevate his people to a position of leadership and dominance in the land. And Abraham's children will rule and reign just as uh, the Lord promised. So Abraham's children are spiritual and, and physical both, but the physical ones will only reign if they are born again. And unless they have the spiritual part, they will not be considered to be Abraham's children that receive the promises. Okay, so we've came, uh, we've we've come to um, the modern day, and uh, it, it may be surprising to some of you to know that uh, there are people that theologians, highly educated people, who uh, believe that the kingdom of God is coming to the earth and that they are responsible by their actions to bring that kingdom into being. And some of these, uh, they believe they're responsible for political action to bring the kingdom of God into being. Others believe that they're actually responsible for military action, uh, including killing, to bring the kingdom of God into being. And uh, others believe that it will be a long time gradually that the kingdom of God comes into being. Some of them, for thousands of years, it's going to take for it to get to where the kingdom of God uh, comes into being. So there's all these different ideas. One of them, which is in uh, which is in our uh, lifetimes, is um, the idea of how the kingdom of God will come is included in what is called liberation theology. Liberation theology is what Catholic priests from Europe and uh, Central America brought these ideas to Central America, and they taught these ideas in Central America. Uh, This is probably, I don't know, 50 years ago, 40 years ago, whatever. And and, uh, these ideas were that they should foment revolution with guns. They should foment revolution, and they should overthrow um, these governments that controlled all of the prosperity and um, most all the profits and were filled with corruption while the people were in abject poverty. So you can see why these liberation theologians would be interested because they they care about humans. They, they feel like that's part of the mission of the gospel. Uh, whether they're Catholic or whatever they are. And these were primarily Catholic. And so they felt like these governments needed, that there was no choice. If these people were going to find liberation, uh, they would have to have these governments overthrown. So they came in to these lands, and they helped infiltrate with revolutionary concepts and ideas. And in every way they could, they helped these uh, revolutionaries to try to overthrow these governments. And um, uh, in some cases, they succeeded. And in some cases, they didn't. But it was in a newspaper. 
every day. The United States was involved trying to figure out how to bring peace down in there. And uh, uh, it, was a, it was a major upheaval in the world. So anyway, they exported this revolution uh, with guns and killing and so forth. Um, uh, one of the later guys that came kind of arose out of this was Key Guevara, who, uh, who came in the same light and uh, did silver, uh, similar things to what the liberation theologians taught. And these are where some of these ideas came from. Uh, big upheaval in Nicaragua. The United States was involved. Um, one of the revolutionaries uh, ended up to be communist. Uh, he is the president of Nicaragua today. He is the president. And um, he is very adverse to the Catholic Church, uh, which opposes him. Uh, but he is very encouraging to Protestant churches because he wants them to replace the acid rejection of himself and his government by Catholicism. So I don't know if that's public, but it is true. So these priests, theory was, or theology was, that they would bring the kingdom of God to earth with guns and military revolution. Now, when we look here 30, 40, 50 years later, we can see that it's pretty obvious it did not bring the kingdom of God to earth because my kingdom, he said, the Lord said, is not of this world. If it was my kingdom, my, my servants would fight with guns or with swords or with military weapons. So uh, that's the first one. We're going to look at some others also.